Hey friends, welcome back to the rest of the sermon. I'm happy that you've joined us this afternoon, this evening, and today's going to be a good episode. I just have a feeling about it. This week we um, dove into Malachi chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, uh, during our virtual worship service. If you'd like to see that sermon, if you haven't seen it already, I will post a link to it in the show notes. And so you should pause and go watch the message and then come back. Okay, since you've now come back, um, the gist of that message, the gist of this passage in general is you have God uh, calling out the children of Israel saying, uh, essentially, you guys uh, don't get it. You think that um, those who live unjustly uh, are getting rewarded. And so to live your, your life in a righteous way um, doesn't have benefits. And uh, their argument, the children of Israel, their argument is, well, you see, we're doing this. We're going to church. We're doing what you've asked us to do. We're keeping the law. And God's retort, as we've seen throughout Malachi, is basically, well, yeah, kind of. I mean, yes, you're offering sacrifices, but you're not offering the sacrifices that you should be. Yes, you're going to church, you're going to the temple, you're going to the synagogue, but not with the right motives. And so we see this struggle. Um, and, and as Malachi winds down, we have one more passage, one more sermon in Malachi, and it's a little bit of a different tenor uh, from that which we have seen, this dialogue, this back and forth that we have seen up until this point. I, I want us to focus today specifically on a bigger, a larger issue. We're going to look at this struggle that uh, the children of Israel are, are having, this dialogue they're having with God, but through a different lens than perhaps the ones that we normally put on when we read the Bible. You see, it, it, it strikes me that as uh, we put on our lens of, of kind of American Christianity, that perhaps we lose some of the intricacies that exist. And so today I wanted to talk specifically about the Bible, the story of the Bible, the arc of that story, uh, and how it's, it's a continuous story. It starts in the very beginning, obviously, with the, the very creation itself. And then through Scripture, we see the plight of humanity as they struggle with their own sinfulness and they fall away from God and God brings them back close to him once again and only just for them to fall away again and again and again. And there's prophets and there's kings and this story continues. And oftentimes when we get to a place like the end of Malachi, we would, we would put like, um, uh, hash, hash marks, hashtags, or something, uh, asterisk maybe, indicating, okay, that was the end of the Old Testament, now we're going to the New Testament, as if it was two different stories. But I think it's important for us to remember, to realize that the Bible in and of, in and of itself, those 66 books, are written as a continuous story. And perhaps even more important than that, you and I are living in a time where that story is still being written. Now, it's true to say that those canonical books aren't changing. They're not being added to. We've got the Bible, which are those 66 books, and, and that's it. You know, we're not adding anything else to it. 
But just as those children of Israel in the days of Malachi were looking to the coming of the Lord, we too look to the coming of the Lord. This arc of history, this arc of creation has not ended. It hasn't paused. It hasn't started and restarted and started and restarted. It's one continuous story that you and, our, you and I find ourselves in even today. And it's because of this arc, this story arc, that the Bible, Scripture in general, has relevance for us. So consider our passage today. The uh, children of Israel are accused of saying it is vain to worship God. It is vain to live out these commandments. It is vain to live the way that we do or the way that we should. Why do we say that? Because look at all these other people, these evildoers. Maybe for them it's the Babylonians who had just had them in exile. Maybe it's the Romans who are uh, rising to power. Well, probably not yet, but not too far from now. Regardless, it's these people that you can look at. And isn't it true that this is what we do too today, still? Isn't it true that we look at others and we say, gosh, look at, look at the way they live and look at what they get, yet here I am, my pious, righteous little self, and I don't get any reward at all. Maybe it's just me, I don't know, but I have a feeling that others would find themselves in a similar position if we were willing to be honest with our own inner dialogue. And so you see just a small example of how a message from a prophet hundreds, thousands of years ago to a people resonates even today. Why? Because this story isn't over. The ark hasn't come to a conclusion. And so what do we do with that? You hear me ask that question a lot. What, what do we do with that? Or what's that mean for us? The reason why I ask that question so much and, and you hear me say it so much is because I think it's so critically important that we be willing to interact with this text. That it's not just a story to read. It's not just a story for information. But it really is truly a guide. It really is the unfolding of history and, and, and what has worked and what hasn't. In a day and time when there's arguments happening all over the place about history and what's relevant for history and how do we teach history and how do we remember history, I think it's important that we look at, at this history book that we have and realize how we treat it. How often, for example, do you go to the Bible to find answers to life's questions? Would you be surprised if I told you they are in there, those answers that you seek? And you may be saying, Evan, no, they're not. I've looked. And I would say, you know, you're right if you're just looking for, you know, um, straightforward, uh, explicit directives. Uh, yeah, they're, they're not in there. But such is life. Life isn't straightforward. Life isn't explicit. Life doesn't follow directives. We need nothing more than to just simply look around in our current times to see this. 
to see that despite our best efforts, we still continually fall short. And life, life continues to throw curveball after curveball after curveball. I just finished listening to our governor and our lieutenant governor and a few other folks talk about uh, plans for school next year amidst this COVID-19, amidst this pandemic, and praising educators, praising children for their, um, their versatility, their flexibility, being able to switch from traditional instruction to uh, NTI days or, or, or basically homeschooling, electronic schooling. And I'm sure for many of you, you know that that wasn't easy for everybody. <laughs> uh, many folks, many kids that I know struggled with that. But they did it. They persevered. Moses brought down the laws from God. And much like switching from traditional school to a completely different way of doing things, it required, these laws required a shift from the people of Israel to say the only way this is going to work is if we keep these laws. And many of them struggled with that. But they, they stuck with it. I'm talking in circles a, a little bit, but, but it makes sense in my head, and we're going to get to where I'm going, I promise. Again, thinking about the biblical story as an ark, an ark that hasn't ended, a rainbow that is still flowing and encompasses your story and mine. I ask you, how does, how does that change Scripture? How does that change the way that you view it? How does that change the words from Malachi? How does it change the arguments that the children of Israel are levying against God? And if we're honest, can we write ourselves in this story? We've talked before how uh, I think far too often we read the Bible, we read biblical stories, and we lose sight of who, I don't want to say the enemy or the villain, but uh, definitely who the antagonist is. Uh, it's generally the mighty and the powerful. They're generally the antagonist. Um, the, the nation of Rome, Babylon, I mean, I, I, the examples go on and on, Goliath even. And we, we read it through that and we picture ourselves as the, the non-powerful, I guess. The heroes, the protagonists. But again, if we're honest with ourselves, if we're honest when we start thinking about principalities, we have to start looking at the roles, the structure that are deeply rooted in us as Americans and how they flow or how they crash into Christianity. That's a discussion I really want to have at some point, and, and we probably will have it right here uh, at some point in the future, looking at how our very own ideas and our very own identity as Americans clashes with our identity as Christians. But it doesn't have to be that way. If we see ourselves as a part of this continual story, this continual arc, if we see ourselves called on mission by Jesus himself, by God. And if we're willing to answer that call, to 
go out into the world to make disciples, to love others just as God has loved us. What a powerful story it can be. I want to give credit where credit is due. Um, A motto of our church, uh, a tagline, if you will, is know God, love all, serve others. Uh, It's been that way for a few years now. Um, We had a uh, a leadership uh, weekend a few years ago where we revisioned kind of the the path our church was headed down and um, what the future might look like. And that was a, a tagline that came out of that. And it's been on the back of t-shirts. It's been, you know, under on, on my uh, uh, biographical information, anywhere you might see that. Know God, love all, serve others. One of our deacons this past week, who uh, the same deacon who did a lot of educating for me uh, or to me about Juneteenth and that central Kentucky connection that we talked about in the bonus episode, he put this statement on his Facebook page in his timeline. It said, to know God is to love all and serve others. And it, it struck me at how beautifully simple that is. Yet how powerful of a statement it is at the same time. So what does it look like for us to enter into the ark? The ark of the story, the biblical story, the biblical narrative. I think that sums it up pretty well. If we want to enter into that ark, we first have to know God. And how do we know God? How do others know that we know God? They, they know that we know God because we love all and we serve others. There's not check boxes you have to tick off. There's not exclusionary uh, criteria. No, you, I, all of us were created in the image of God. And we're called to love. So to know God is to love all. And serve others. Friends, I want you to uh, think a little bit. I'm going to give you uh, a small homework assignment. It won't be much, but just uh, asking you to be intentional for, for a few minutes. To think about what role you play in the story. What role do you play in the story? Are you willing to be vulnerable enough, to be honest enough with your internal dialogue to wrestle with, just as Jacob wrestled with God, to wrestle with the role that you play and trying to find out, am I playing the role that God has cast me in or not? Am I so stubborn that I think I can do it better myself? Questions I think that are important for all of us. Perhaps most importantly, I want to call you to know God. And when you do, I'm going to see you loving all and serving others. One of the tenets uh, of, our, of our Christianity is this idea that it's faith and faith alone that grants us grace. It's what differentiates us from Catholicism. It's what differentiates us uh, from other uh, world religions is that, no, it's our faith alone, the fact that we believe The fact that we say, yes, I understand who Jesus was and what he stood for and what he did. 
And because he did what he did, because I believe, then grace is a gift that I can receive. But as James points out in his New Testament book, James, the brother of Jesus, he points out that it's through that faith and the receiving of that gift that compels me to do works. In other words, and they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. And they'll know that we are Christians by our love. Friends, I hope this episode finds you well. You may notice a little bit uh, of a different tenor today. Uh, I'm trying uh, to uh, bring a little bit different of a message to you. But one that I think is still important. One that still resonates with who I am and where we are. Consider where you are in this story, this arc. Consider what role God has cast you in. And when you go out into the world, show others that you know Him. Show others that you know God by loving all and by serving others. Thanks for joining us for the rest of the sermon. As always, you can contact me with any questions, with any feedback at the rest of the sermon at gmail.com. Again, that's the rest of the sermon at gmail.com. I appreciate each and every one of you. Share this podcast with your friends, especially those you think might enjoy it. Uh, it's a, a privilege to be able to, to do this and to share with each and every one of you. Know that between now and the next time, I love each and every one of you and I'll be praying for you. Until we do this again, God bless.